Welcome to the High School Athlete Nutrition Podcast, where we chat about fueling your performance on and off the field, court, track, or pool. I'm your host, Stephanie Melitano, a registered sports dietitian who specializes in helping athletes optimize their performance with a strong fueling plan. Whether you're a seasoned athlete or just starting out, this podcast will provide you with specific strategies and practical tips to help you reach your performance goals. So join me as we explore the world of nutrition and learn how to take your game to the next level. This week is National Eating Disorder Awareness or NIDA week. So I really want to draw some attention to what it may look like to be an athlete working through an eating disorder or disordered eating, things that parents and coaches can do to help, and what steps you can take if you're an athlete who is challenged with disordered eating to take a step in your recovery. If you relate to anything I share today, first, I want you to note that you are not alone and you do not have to go down this journey alone. Your coaches, teammates, friends, family, therapists, and a dietitian can be an incredible support team for you to help you every step of the way. On the podcast, we talk a lot about REDS or relative energy deficiency in sport, which is a syndrome that can come out of disordered eating and eating disorders. So when a student athlete develops an eating disorders, one of the last thoughts in their mind are the repercussions behind what can happen, both short-term and long-term. As you continue to participate in your sport, in your training, and you're in this nutrition deficit, you can really impair your overall performance, physical health, and well-being. So when we look at REDS and all of those symptoms, right, it's impacting your bone health, your immune system. Having that low energy availability or not enough fuel on board impacts your GI tract, your mental health, your cardiovascular system. And as we get more and more severe within REDS, it can become a full eating disorder. And that's really what I want to talk about and focus on today and kind of shed some light and some resources um, for parents, coaches, and athletes to really help you and your community really better support those with eating disorders. First, it's important for everyone to be aware of the potential warning signs to support student athletes if they feel there may be an eating disorder involved because early intervention is really key. Before we dive into building your support system, I first want to talk about the difference between disordered eating and eating disorder um, because they can be used interchangeably, but they're really not the same thing. So disordered eating sits on a spectrum between quote-unquote normal eating, and I really hate that term, but a more traditional eating pattern of where you're eating freely, eating what you want, there aren't really any restrictions or rules, going up to a clinical eating disorder that includes a diagnosis like anorexia nervosa or binge eating disorder. So the level of obsession or food restriction and food manipulation and compensation, that is what impacts that ultimate diagnosis, that behavior that really distinguishes an eating disorder, which is very clinical, to disordered eating, which may be just a few food rules that impact you. And with some therapy and nutrition sessions, we can kind of get out of that. So there is a spectrum where many athletes can slide back and forth in disordered eating and eating disorders. 
It can be very normal. In fact, it is very normal to think about food when you're hungry or like what you might eat next. That is part of life. When those hunger cues kick in, of course you're gonna think about food. But for those struggling with an eating disorder, those thoughts are generally all consuming all day long. So individuals might think about calories, taste, food avoidances, where to get food next, how to avoid food next. There's so many different aspects of the different eating disorders, but it's important to know that this level of obsession, whether it's restriction or overeating, can really impair focus, the ability to stay present, it impacts their sleep, among many other things. So there are some unique warning signs we really wanna look out for, these red flags that are often seen across the spectrum of eating disorders. This can look like adherence to an excessively restrictive diet or food rules. So you maybe notice that things are kind of disappearing from an athlete's diet or certain timing and there's there has to be avoidances or things they have to eat. They're just becoming very strict in their eating pattern. Then, you know, an aversion to social social situations. So not wanting to be around food or not wanting to eat in front of others. I see this a lot in some of my clients where they're just uncomfortable eating at team meals um, or if they're at school, they don't want to eat in the cafeteria or the dining hall. This can really be a challenge and things that we can work through. Third is an obsession with their body shape, feature, or manipulating any size or part of their body. So wanting to fit, quote unquote, that athlete ideal. I see this a lot in my office. I'll have athletes say, well, I don't look like X sport, or I don't look like this athlete. You don't have to look like that athlete. You have to be your best self and your best athlete in the body that you have. Um, and so, you know, an obsession with body image or body composition can really be a big trigger and a big sign. Excessive exercise is another one, right? We're talking about elite athletes here. Of course, they're training more than the average Joe, but this excessive exercise could be outside of coach training sessions. So it's not just like a lift and a a practice or a lift and a, a you know a conditioning session. They are waking up, maybe doing abs in their room, and then they are going to go for a run after school, and then they have practice, and they're doing some more abs late at night. Right? They're just constantly sneaking in this exercise wherever they can, and they're not giving their body true time to rest and recover. One of the most obvious signs would be a dramatic change or shift in their weight. Um, so whether they're dropping or going up, like these dramatic changes can be a sign like, hey, something's just going on. We wanna check in and see what's, what's, what's happening. And then lastly, just general isolation. It can be tough when you're in your own mind the whole time and you're thinking about food or thinking about avoiding food or certain foods are, are scary and creating this fear response. You don't wanna be around it. So you take, tend to stay, take a step back from hanging out with friends or take a step back from hanging out with teammates or eating with family. And before you know it, you know these athletes can be alone more often. So it's important that if you have an athlete who tends to be isolating a bit, we're kind of encouraging them to come back out and finding ways to really involve them in a positive way. So these are some of the most common signs um, that we see across different athletes, different genders and sports, but it's not always just clear cut and dry. Sometimes you can just have a health conscious student athlete um, and not one with an eating disorder. And so it's important that you're really getting into conversations or connecting them with someone who like a sports dietitian or a therapist who can have that conversation with them and really figure out, you know, what is the goal here? Um, and is it a safe situation for them? 
For example, I want to share some of the things that athletes have said to me in the last few months in my office. And I shared this in a recent presentation um, with uh, collegiate athletes and they were like, yes, I relate to this. I relate to this. And I think it's important because some of these things we just say off the cuff. We don't think about it as disordered eating or an eating disorder, but it really can either lead down that road or it might be right in that category. So it's important to kind of think about, you know, where do you fit into this? And if you can relate to it, then, you know, this is, can be a sign to reach out to a therapist, a dietitian, start building your team to help you with recovery. First, our comments kind of just soaked in diet culture. So not wanting to eat after 9 p.m. I have an athlete um, say this to me. I have a lot of athletes say this to me, whether it's something their parents have shared with them, kind of the culture of the family, um, something they've seen online. We're eating after a certain time at night, right? These are things your metabolism doesn't just shut off at night, especially as an athlete. You need that fuel if you're hungry. Um, so that could just be a sign like, hey, Let's break this food rule down and really figure out where what's the root cause so that you can continue to fuel your body in a positive way. Some other things I hear in terms of diet culture could be, I don't want to gain weight, even though this athlete might be underweight. It only I only allow myself to eat dessert once a week or eat certain food at certain times of the week. This food has too much fat or sugar or I can't have insert whatever food it is because it's bad. These diet culture mentalities really impact athletes. It doesn't matter the age. It just, it really brings kind of the doom and gloom around food, right? That food is bad. It brings bad things and impacts your health. When we know that having any food um, in small amounts doesn't impact you that much, especially when you're eating all day, every day, and your body really needs that fuel. So ditching that diet culture can be a big, big thing when it comes for a coach or a parent and really helping athletes move away from the disorder eating lifestyle. Ignoring hunger cues. This is a big one. Um, in my office, I had an athlete say last week, well, I just ate, I shouldn't eat again, right? No, if you're hungry, please eat something, right? I don't want you smothering those hunger cues for the sake of fitting into a pair of jeans or looking like an athlete. Fuel your body. I've also seen athletes who will grab gum instead of fueling, or they'll just say, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to eat in two hours anyway. I'll just skip a meal. I'm studying or doing whatever I'm going to do. No, you need that snack or you need that meal to help you close that fueling gap. So anytime they're ignoring hunger cues, that's definitely something where it kind of perks up my red flags a little bit. Another risk for disordered eating that I see a lot are these body composition checks, especially at the collegiate level um, when they have to do preseason checks or midseason checks or even, you know, just in the weight room when there's a scale there and they have to hop on. It can create a lot of, create a lot of tension and, and really increase their risk for disordered eating. So whenever there's a body composition or body check or weight check-in, I always ask the athlete, like, well, who is it with? Is it a coach? Is it your strength coach? Is it just you and your other teammates? How are they done? Because if you're all standing around, and I've heard this a lot, right? The team's just standing around the scale and they're one at a time, hopping on and hopping off, and the coach is just saying the weight out loud, or it's a you know a numbered scale where everybody can see, that can create a lot of stress around weights, and we, we don't want that. And then where does this information go is my next question. Why, why do we need it? I completely understand a preseason weight, a midseason weight, that sort of stuff, but I've had some strength coaches talk to me about, like, well, I weigh them every week. Well, why? What's the goal here? Is it just to see if they're building muscle mass? Like, what is the goal? And are there ways that we can do it in a way where it's more private and they don't need to know that number? 
So for example, can you bring them into a room one at a time and weigh them backwards, doing that blind weight, right? Where they're not having to stand in front of the team and compare that number to one another. It's just a number. It's just a gravitational pull. I don't want any athlete feeling like their value um, is tied to that stupid number, right? So if we can really find ways to, if you need the number, if we can do it in a private way where it's not putting them on display in front of everyone and even just keeping it more private, especially those at higher risk for disordered eating, I think that's really, really important. Another thing I tend to look for is just the sport culture and the team culture. Um, some sports are just more prone to disordered eating and eating disorders, and it's typically those that are more aesthetic based. So we have things like gymnastics, dance, um, even wrestling because of the weight manipulation, right? We're really looking at these are some high risk sports for disordered eating because they're trying to manipulate their weights to look a certain way. Or just the sport culture in itself. Um, some sports are more prone to disordered eating and eating disorders. Or I have athletes who say, again, I don't look like this kind of athlete. And you, but they're running at the D1 level and they're winning and they're competing and they're fantastic, but they don't look a certain way. So they don't feel like they fit in. That's not it at all. You don't have to look a certain way to be an excellent athlete. So these are some of the, the, the things that I hear and the red flags that I look for when I'm working with clients and working with athletes. And this is just a few of the top ones, you know, but really with conversations, you can, you can pick up on some of the big challenges um, around disordered eating and eating disorders. And it's important to have these conversations because I've seen it kind of grow in many of the athletes that I'm working with. And we want to make sure that they feel comfortable talking to people and they have the support that they need to really help and recover from this journey of eating disorders. So now I want to share a little bit of advice for parents and coaches and strength coaches and athletic directors because you are crucial in creating that positive fuel environment for your athletes and your teams um, when it comes to creating that culture. I think this is you are the, you're the cornerstone. You're the foundation here. So the first thing you can do is you know if you can keep easy easy snacks on hand. You know pre workout snacks, really simple things, or just encouraging them to to pack snacks and have a solid lunch. Um, instead of saying avoid sugar, don't do this, don't do that, encourage them to pack lunch, have that pre-workout snack, bring a mid-workout snack if they're hungry. It's really important that we're encouraging kids and athletes to do things to empower their nutrition and not to restrict or take things away. We definitely don't want to label foods as good or bad. I always joke that like, you know, the cookie isn't battling the almond in the closet. Foods aren't out to get each other. Um, it's about balance and it's about finding the really strong foods, the fueling foods, and pairing them with the fun things that you really enjoy. Diets and fueling plans don't have to be just steamed broccoli, roasted chicken, and rice, right? We can really have fun. There's no such thing as good foods and bad foods. It's about finding that strong balance that works best for each individual athlete. Lastly, and I truly think most importantly, it's avoiding diet comments or body checking of your own. And this really, I think, for both parents and coaches and, and strength coaches is a big one. Um, your athletes spent a lot of time with you. They're watching how you react to things, look in mirrors, how your body checking yourself or the comments that you're making. So I always ask, especially parents at home with young, with young athletes, Avoid talking about things you don't like about your body. You know, you're a strong human. You've got really positive things going for you. Point that out, especially around your athlete, because they pick up those body habits from you. And then from a coaching perspective, your athletes, they really look up to you. They spend a lot of time with you. They want to impress you so they can have playing time and play better and perform at their best. And so 
if you can lay a really positive foundation around nutrition and avoid any diet comments if we're at a tournament and it's late, encourage them to eat anyway. Let's break down those food rules and those diet rules and really create some positive experiences when it comes to nutrition. If you're an athlete who feels that they are challenged with disordered eating or an eating disorder, or if you're a coach or parent or athletic director who is looking at an athlete and saying, I feel like I need to help them, the first step that you can do is help them to build their team. As an athlete, it's important to know that you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to struggle with adding in more food or figuring out what works. It's important to create a really supportive team that can help you mentally and physically. And so that starts with a doctor. Your doctor is able to monitor your medical stability. They can do blind weights. They can check your blood pressure and heart rate and run labs and make sure that everything is safe. A therapist is really foundational to helping you work through different mindset and challenges and thoughts that may be limiting you around food and fuel. And my key tip here is make sure you find a therapist that specializes in disordered eating and eating disorders because everyone has a different specialty and some of them don't really specialize in that. So it's important that you're finding one who can really help you the most. And of course, a sports dietitian. A dietitian can really help you build a strategy to safely and confidently rebuild your fueling plan and help you break down some of those food rules. Some of my favorite wins to celebrate are with my athletes who have eating disorders and we're we're celebrating that we ate ice cream, right? We're cheering on that we've been consistent with breakfast because that's what it's all about. Those little changes that you can make from day to day, this is your key. I love celebrating with you and you have to have a strong team to help you all the way around. The first step is really recognizing that you need support and then asking for it. So it may just by, it may start with, hey, mom or dad or coach, ah, this is what's going on and I need some help. Can you help me find a doctor, a sports dietitian and a therapist? You don't have to do, you don't have to even find a doctor on your own or a dietitian on your own or a therapist on your own. Use your resources and someone you trust around you to really help you set yourself up for success. In the show notes, I'm going to share a few resources for athletes and parents who are working through challenges and disordered eating. If you want to learn more about anything I've talked about today, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can send me a note on my website at www.smnutritionrd.com. My goal as a sports dietitian is to help you fuel your human self and your athlete self. When your body has the energy it needs, you are confident in fueling your game and you're a stronger all around person, both mentally and physically. I wanna thank you for tuning into this episode of the High School Athlete Nutrition Podcast. Each episode, I'm breaking down the basics of fueling your body and helping you be more energized both on and off the field, pool, or court. If you want to be the first to know when the next episode will be released, make sure you hit the subscribe button below. Until next time, happy fueling.